Welcome in to the Paul Kuharski Podcast, part of 440 Sports. I'm Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com. I've mentioned my name three times. I've fulfilled my contractual obligation to do so. Uh, We're going to have a big topic today, the Titans and $140 million to spend in 2024, what they're going to do with that, how Dennis Daly still has a career NFL player, uh, an NFL player playing the guarantee game very smartly and the opportunity for a free subscription for a few of you to my site. I'm proud to be brought to you by Jasper's, your neighborhood bar and restaurant done better. It's on West End between Vandy and downtown. I was there recently. I had the Bolognese. It was fantastic, and I can't uh, recommend it enough to you. Go mention you heard about them here, and I'll tell you a little bit more about them later. Uh, on with the show. The Titans, uh, much is being made about while they're cap-strapped this year and have had to do a lot to get beneath the cap, they're going to have to do more to stay beneath the cap if they're going to make some more moves, and they're going to have to, um, you know, to, to have money for a draft class and for contingencies. Um, they're at about $10 million before we find out the details of Andre Dillard's contract, which is still somehow not completely filed. Sean Murphy uh, Bunting's contract, we don't know precisely yet. Um, then, then you factor in the draft class um, and the like. Still potential to maneuver Kevin Byard's contract. I still expect a Ryan Tannehill extension. Uh, you could do something with Harold Landry's contract and, and the like. But all of this this year uh, leads to the fact that the Titans are projected to be $140 million under next year's cap. Uh, of a projected $256 million. That means they have $116 million on the books for next year. And that's only with 37 players. A lot of holes, obviously, on that team next year. No starting quarterback, no starting running back, no uh, starting defensive lineman. Autry's contract is up. Um Simmons currently not under contract for 2024. Um, and uh, uh, who am I forgetting there? Um, nobody uh, on the defensive line has a, a contract number right now. Tart uh, it would just be playing under the tender this, this year. Per the 33rd team, the excellent uh, site, per their research, Last year, they did a piece on this. The top three free agent spending leaders over the previous 10 off-seasons, that's 2012 to 2021, improved their record that year after doing that spending 70% of the time. So we're accustomed to saying the team that wins free agency doesn't do that well, but in fact, it, it has proved fruitful. Um, in in recent years. In 2020, the Dolphins were the free agent winner, spent the most money in free agency, and they uh, gained five wins and got up to 10 and six. 2021, the Patriots surprised everybody. They were the big free agent spender. They gained three wins and got to 10 and seven and went to the playoffs. And in 2022, the Jaguars 
um, gained six wins. And uh, as we know, they went nine and eight and got into the playoffs by beating the Titans on the last Sunday of the season. I would say, however, that the quality of that free agent pool gets worse every year. Um, and the ringer had a great piece recently that, that highlighted how um, expounded on free agency as quote, the most inefficient market for teams with inflated prices and flawed players. So if you look at the, the prime pieces of free agency this year, Derek Carr to the saints, Javon Hargrave to the 49ers, very good player. Jesse Bates to the Falcons, Jawan Taylor to the Chiefs, that's iffy at best, Mike McGlinchey to the Broncos, Orlando Brown to the Bengals, Tremaine Edmond to the Bears. The ringer says there's some talented players in that bunch, and guys like Hargrave and Brown could be missing pieces for contending teams, but none can be viewed as foundational. I, I would agree with that. This, this has not been a very good free agent class, but I don't think it's necessarily an outlier in the direction things are headed. I think it's the direction things are headed. Meanwhile, uh, we've seen trades for Jalen Ramsey, absolute stud going to Miami. Darren Waller, he's been hurt, but uh, terrific player. Aaron Rodgers is going to get traded to the Jets. Um, so – one thing that this will allow, and I'm going to get into how I don't think that the Titans in free agency in 2024 are going to absolutely change the face of their franchise, but it does allow, and this Ringer article was about how trades have become the thing above free agency, the Titans starting next year would be able to trade for a guy with an expensive salary. So if you're willing to give up <clears> – <throat> Sometimes a, a, a inexpensive pick to a team that's looking to offload salary, the Titans can now do it. Typically, you're, you're a little bit unwilling to do it. Generally, the Titans have been because they've got the expectation that a player fitting slot X would come in at a rookie salary. Um, but, but now their accounting would allow them to have that player, if they find him to be impactful enough, could come in at, a, you know, at the end of his rookie deal or at a veteran salary, and they could fit him into their uh, roster structure economically um, and, and have some flexibility on that. So let's use the Falcons as an example here. The Falcons, after a couple of years of cap misery, came into this season not nearly in as good a situation as the Titans will be in next year. They had $60 million of cap space, but that allowed them to do some things after a couple of years of not being able to breathe. So Jonu Smith, um, Arthur Smith, very familiar with Jonu Smith from their time together in Tennessee, right? Arthur Smith schemed up Jonu Smith for very successful offensive production. Now, he was due $10 million in base salary this year and $11 million in base salary next year from the contract, a ridiculous contract that the Patriots gave him from two years ago winning free agency that I mentioned earlier. Well, the Falcons were willing to give a seventh-round pick up for Johnny Smith and to take that contract, still too pricey in my eyes, but they could afford it. 
and they'll pair him with um, Kyle Pitts, and they've got a great one-two punch there at tight end. But this comes out of out of the financial freedom that the Falcons have now because they've got cap room. So the Titans could do something akin to that starting next year. I don't think, though, if they value somebody like, and I'm just using Johnny Smith as a familiar example here, if they think Johnny Smith's a $4 million player, maybe they pay him 4 and a half or 4.75. Um, I don't think they're going to say, hey, because we're flush with money, we'll pay him 10. I just don't think the franchise is going to operate that way. We'll have to see more uh, about Rand Carthon. They have overpaid a couple times. They overpaid for Bud Dupree, um, you know, and that didn't work out because of injuries. But sometimes you have to overpay on the free agent market to get the, the guy and the production that you need. But not a lot of guys are going to reach free agency. Nonetheless, the Titans, that's something they can start to do next year that you wouldn't have been able to do previously because of cap constraints. Now, are you going to give up draft picks? A seventh for John New Smith you could give up, sure. You're going to give up a fourth or a fifth for the right guy? Should be more willing, I would think. Um, so where do I anticipate them spending their money in a year? Well, we'll get there right after uh, right after this. I mentioned Jasper's, your neighborhood sports bar and uh, restaurants, not just a sports bar. It's a, a neighborhood bar and restaurant done better. Our new sponsor here, I'm thrilled to have them. It's an excellent spot. Got a great menu. I've got something for all occasions. You can have a business meeting there. You can go for a casual lunch. You can go for happy hour. Go watch a big game. They've got a Great big TV uh, in a uh, kind of a side room that's terrific. Um, it's a nice place for a dinner date. It's a nice place to take uh, have a family night, take the kids out, uh, have brunch. They've got a game room where everything's free. You got shuffleboard, ski ball, pop a shot, air hockey. I didn't get to play any of that when I went. I sat at the bar and had lunch alone, which was perfect too. If you like to do that, like I do once in a while, all that stuff is free. They've got a grab-and-go market out front with a variety of snacks and homemade desserts. And for a place that's kind of right on the fringe of downtown in Nashville, Tennessee, unprecedented free parking, which is uh, terrific and very hard to find. I appreciate their support so much, and I know you will check them out. So thanks to them, and thanks to you for that. Welcome aboard, Jaspers. Thanks very much. Where will the Titans spend this $140 million in a year? Well, first off, they're not going to spend all of it. I think uh, they'll take a chunk of it and spin it forward. But here, here's where I think that money starts, starts to go. Some of it goes to Jeffrey Simmons in year two of what I expect will be a new deal that he signs in July or August of this year, most likely. And, uh, you know, it'll be a contract where uh, his cap number this year, that's a little bit over $10 million is his fifth year option will actually go down. Uh, I've talked previously about how Payne's contract in Washington shows you how that can happen. So part of it will be that ideally Aziz Alshire uh, 
he signed a one-year deal. Ideally, he plays well and earns a bigger contract and a long-term contract. He'd get extended. Ideally, Sean Murphy Bunting, who signed a one-year contract, he plays well and gets an extension, and he's getting some of that money. Ideally, Tier Tart plays well. Uh, if he doesn't get an extension now, he's going to play under that four-plus million-dollar restricted free agent second-round tag, and he gets a long-term deal. Um, all these deals, if all three of these guys played well, would be front-loaded deals. Um, and these guys would get the bulk of their money uh, on a three or four year deal, conceivably up up front. Um, so the Titans have the room in 2024 to do that. Danico Autry um, is going to be, uh, you hope he's an age defying guy. He turns 33 on July 15th. So he'll be 34 heading into 2024. But if he continues to be the same guy, you could conceivably sign him to a two-year contract and uh, you'd be front-loaning that and paying him in 2024. And he's not going to be super ex uh, expensive, uh, I wouldn't think. Christian Fulton, I would suspect, is, is not long for here. But, you know, let's presume the positive here. He has a terrific 2023 and is healthy and productive and earns himself um, another contract, uh, and uh, that could be front-loaded in, in 2024. I still don't suspect th that he'll be here in 2024, but if, if he had that kind of year and they wanted him, uh, they certainly would have a lot of room for that. Now, you'd want to be getting the jump here on guys who were coming out of their third year, but we're talking Caleb Farley and Dylan Radins. So that advantage is blown. You're not going to be investing any long, getting up out front of long-term deals for those guys. Even if Monty Rice is excellent this season, he, he was the third round pick from that year. It would be early for him. Now let's look at a couple positions in terms of who is in line to be an unrestricted free agent in 2024. Quarterback, Jalen Hurts. No way the Eagles don't lock him up. Kirk Cousins, who cares? Lamar Jackson, it's going to be more of what's going on now if he's not signed long-term. Ryan Tannehill, uh, you know, I think he'll be extended and he'll probably still be the Titans quarterback next year. Wide receiver, where <clears throat> Titans are probably going to have two draft picks. I don't know. Maybe they get a veteran um, out of this market still, but it'd probably be these kind of one-year contracts that we just talked about for, for Murphy Bunting and Al Shire. Um, Justin Jefferson, absolutely going to get re-signed in Minnesota. T. Higgins, absolutely going to get re-signed um, in Cincinnati. Jerry Judy, there's been, there's been rumblings about him being uh, on the, on the trade market. Um, so maybe he gets traded still um, in this offseason, or maybe he gets traded during the Broncos season, or maybe he gets to free agency next year. C.D. Lamb, I don't think he's going anywhere. Tyler Boyd, possibility, because um, uh, the, the Bengals have so much going on financially with Burrow. Uh, you know, who would be heading towards a fifth-year option, but getting a long-term deal. And we already mentioned Higgins. So then you've got Boyd on top of that. But, boy, if you could keep all three, that is the core of that team. Calvin Ridley, 
I mean, if he has a good year in his first year with the Jags, the Jags have $54 million slated to be available next year. Gabe Davis. Well, the Bills are tight versus the 24 cap. So maybe. Brandon Ayuk, pretty significant to the 49ers. I can't see him getting to the market. Darnell Mooney. I mean, if you're in a position to want him next year, it's because of what he does with Justin Fields this year. I would think Chicago would be very anxious to keep him. Um, and he's 5'11", 173. So, again, he's a 4'3", guy coming out. But um, I'm not convinced the Titans are going to go that small yet until I see him get a small guy. And once they get one small guy, I don't think they're going to get two guys that small. So I could see that field of potential free agents really shrinking up to next to nothing, right? If you want a huge playmaking wide receiver, you're going to have to draft and develop. And once again, we circle back to one of the uh, constant, uh, never-ending themes with this team. You don't trade A.J. Brown. You pay him. Because otherwise you have to go find the next one. And Traylon Burks better be the next one. And even if Traylon Burks is the next one, it would have been better just to have had A.J. Brown. Seven outside backers, edge guys, were in the top 50 of pro football focuses grades in 2022. James Houston, Josh Uche, uh, Rashawn Gary, Josh Allen, Daniil Hunter, Daryl Taylor, and Alex Highsmith. Who of that group? is going to make it to free agency. Again, if you've got a good outside linebacker slash edge rusher, odds are you're not letting that guy get to free agency. And if you're letting him get to free agency, there's something that you perceive as being wrong with him. When the Titans let a guy get to free agency with something being perceived wrong with him, I mean, a lot of people are raving about David Long going to Miami, but he got two years, $11 million, right? because of his injury history. Nate Davis didn't exactly draw rave reviews. We'll see what he does in Chicago. I think when you're talking about those wide receivers and edge rushers, the two positions I took to look at, very few of those guys are going to end up being free agents for the Titans to spend a big chunk of that $140 million on when the time comes. So I, this idea that Titans will flip from wanting to be a draft based developed team to going and i know it'll only be you know ideally they could you know go find a couple guys but i don't think they're going to go have a class of six high-priced free agents because they have the money because i don't think there'll be six high-priced free agents who are worth the price and they're not going to overpay they and and i don't think it's out of cheapness i think it's out of proper valuation uh, you know, there are a lot of guys I listed there who you would pay for, but the teams that are going to pay those guys are the teams that drafted and developed those guys who are going to want to keep those guys. The way the Titans kept Harold Landry when he got near it, the way the Titans should have kept A.J. Brown when he got near it. How far do you stray from your pricing strategy just because all of a sudden you have money in your pocket? I don't think the Titans are going to go that incredibly far. Um, Trey Wynn is a uh, subscriber to my site and a big fan of this podcast. And he has made a very generous uh, offer here. He's bought 
six extra months of subscriptions. You see here at the bottom over here, if you're watching on YouTube, otherwise I'm just telling you what you should be seeing or could be seeing. $5.99 a month to be a member of paulkuharski.com. That's everything that I write. That's a weekly piece from Mike Herndon, who's fantastic. Blake Bettingfield, the former Titan scout who scouted for the Titans for 19 years, uh, will be resurfacing with some pre-draft stuff soon. Um, private Facebook page, uh, private chats that that we have, these video chats, which is uh, a Q&A, et cetera, et cetera. So what Trey has proposed is uh, six of you who are not members who may be on the fence about joining. I will pick six of you who email me at pkuharski at gmail.com. Put something in the subject line about trial membership. He'll buy you one month. So you try it out for one month. I'll put you in the system that you'll expire in one month. You'll come in. You'll get addicted to everything. Then in a month, it'll just cut off, and you'll have no choice but to sign up. So I'm appreciative uh, of Trey for putting forth this offer. I look forward to hearing from way more than six of you. I'll pick six of you. We'll plug you into this uh, this free month. We'll, we'll give you a little taste, if you will, a little taste. Uh, we'll get you hooked, and uh, and then you'll become a purchaser and a member. I look forward to having you. The rest of you should all be joining on your own. Um I've long had this kind of, uh, I don't want to call it a fantasy, but I always thought it would be really, I have some neck issues, you know? And so my wife uh, is driven crazy that I always want a seat that's perfectly angled and aligned with the television. I want to be looking at the television straight on and laid back at just the right angle. And we've got a good setup for that in, in two rooms in the house. Though I don't like to watch TV in bed because it's not a comfortable thing. So I was laid in bed at home and in hotels and thought, wouldn't it be great to watch TV on the ceiling? If you laid back just on my perfect pillow that took me years to find, I got away from my microphone there. If you laid back and were able to watch TV on the ceiling, it would be perfect. Now I'm a sucker for all of these uh ads that come across my Facebook and, uh, and Instagram feed. And so I came across one for something called Pico, P-I-Q-O, that is a device, a small little box that ties into your phone or maybe your TV. I think your phone, which you can tie in to your, you know, Netflix and all, all of that stuff, or maybe your TV. I'm an Xfinity guy. So this would broadcast, uh, you know, according to it, who knows if it's a believable sales pitch and broadcast onto white, you know, or a, a blank wall. It doesn't have to be your ceiling. It could be, you know, my wall over there, whatever. Looks like a really good idea. But, you know, so I watched the ad, but then it, you have to click for more. And then, so here's my, my primary complaint this week. And it's not just them. It's other stuff that I look at that I might be suckered into buying if I didn't have to watch 10 minutes before they tell me the price. So I'm watching this thing. I'm intrigued. I'm curious. It, it tells me it's going to give me 20% off or whatever, but it doesn't tell me 20% off of what? And I don't know, like I, I'm sure they've got a marketing strategy that works for them, but 
if I've got to watch eight or 12 minutes before they're going to reveal to me the price, they're losing me. And I'm intrigued by their product. But, you know, I, I you, you got to get to the price, Pico. I'm curious. You might have had a buyer there. I want you to buy my product. It's right there on the screen, $5.99 a month. If you're at my site and you hit memberships, it's right there, $5.99 a month. 12 months for the price of 11. I'm not hiding the price. I don't want to have a secret reveal of the price. I want you to know right up front. Here's what you get and here's how much it is. So somebody explained to me that strategy. I, I can't see how it's working for them. And it, it must be a really high price because they want to really rope you in to get you to say, I really want this thing um, before they tell you how much it is. And then you say, well, I invested all this time. I'm going to buy it anyway. I don't know. Dennis Daly, his price has got to be dirt cheap. Now, don't make too much out of the fact he got a two-year deal. Again, this is an agent talk. Well, it's not agent talk. It's Cardinals talk, and they say they gave him a two-year deal. There's no way that Dennis Daly's second year isn't purely paper and that the Cardinals can't just rip it up and get out after one year. I think they get out after a couple games. But this is not... I like Monty Fort. I don't know, you know, how much influence Monty Fort has. I believe that John Robinson made every, you know, the buck stops with the GM, of course. And I believe that John Robinson really wanted it that way and wasn't heavily influenced by, um, by his people, by Ryan Cowden, by Monty Fort, by his scouts. And that's part of what uh, helped things go south for him and got him fired. But this tells you that Monty Austin Fort, you know, thinks that that he can't think that Dennis Daly wasn't that bad. So he has to think, you know, Dennis Daly is fixable. Um, it's got to be third tackle there, but he was the third tackle here, and he wound up playing 15 games uh, for Luan after Luan went down, and he had to be if not the worst tackle in the league, you know, top three worst tackles in the league. You know, Kyler Murray's a mover, you know, and not going to have to protect the pocket so much, but Dennis Daly's just horrible. So Dennis Daly's new position coach has a huge challenge. I looked him up. Clayton Adams, Clayton with a K, K-L-A-Y-T-O-N, Clayton Adams, 40 years old. He coached some offensive line at Western Washington, Sacramento State, Colorado. And he was two years as an assistant offensive line coach with the Colts from 2019 to 2020. I think he was ultimately replaced by Kevin Mowat. Then he coached uh, tight ends. I think he was, he might have been the position coach. He might have been an assistant position coach there. If Clayton Adams, can turn Dennis Daly into some sort of serviceable offensive lineman, then kudos to Clayton Adams. And then, you know, Keith Carter got canned here in Tennessee's with the Jets now. Then it'd be, you know, an indictment of, of Keith Carter. Um, but I, I look, we all know just how bad, how terribly bad, Dennis Daly was with the Titans last year. And it's hard to wrap your head around the idea that, that a personnel guy 
who was here when the Titans traded away a sixth rounder next year for Dennis Daly and then watched as he struggled was part of, in, in some regard, the failure to find somebody better than Dennis Daly for the Titans roster, um, gets a general manager job and, and wants to be connected to Dennis Daly in any way, shape, or form. So uh, I'm going to be at the owners' meetings um, Monday and Tuesday. If I see Monty Osenfort, um, I'll have to find a way to uh, graciously dig, uh, give him a dig, and see how, how he reacts. Um, I mean, that'll probably be off the record. I don't know. It'll be something I could bring back. And share with you, maybe with the membership, maybe with the All-22. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I was stunned by that. And look, it wasn't lost on any Titans fan that when Arizona put out social media posts about Dennis Daly becoming part of the Cardinals, the picture that they used, the action shot that they used of him was not from the 2022 Tennessee Titans, but it was from prior to that of him in a Carolina Panthers uniform as if last year didn't exist, which Arizona may wish was the case. And Tennessee absolutely wishes was the case. Laramie Tunsil uh, re-signed with the Houston Texans. He has played his contractual stuff brilliantly. When the Texans initially traded for him from the Dolphins, they did so without signing him to a new contract. Um, he had a year left, I believe, and, and he had all the leverage because they gave up a lot and they certainly weren't going to uh, not re-sign him. Um, and so since then, he got a three-year extension worth $66 million. And now he just signed a three-year extension worth $75 million. So that's $141 million over six years in those, those two extensions. And he gets to go again when he's 31 years old. This is a really good strategy. Um, Albert Breer wrote about this. He said, even the biggest NFL contracts usually don't have guarantees past the second year and almost never have them past the third year. Because of that, adding fourth or fifth years to a deal allows a team to maintain control of a situation and put a cap on how much the player can make. In other words, it sounds nice to say a player got, say, a five-year, $100 million deal, but if only $40 million of the contract is guaranteed, then the back-end years only work to the detriment of the player involved. Breer was congratulating Tunsil on recognizing this and operating within the framework. I never have understood why um, players are so satisfied to get these back-end years of the deal. You see what it's meaning for Kevin Byer, um, you know, and this big base salary of 13 or – $13 million, I think, this year is, is now an issue. Um, you have to get the money in the in the front part of the contract um, and then set it up so that the team doesn't want to get rid of you when the numbers go up later. 
um, and get yourself another chance to to negotiate. Um, in in Bayard's instance, you know he wanted uh, and wants to to play the whole thing out with Tennessee. We'll see whether that's possible or not. They're not going to cut him to save six million dollars while they while they eat thirteen or sixteen. I'm not remembering it off the top of my head in dead money, um, but. Um, they, they could deal him, though not a lot of teams are looking to absorb that salary at this stage of the game. Um, but, you know, if you're a good player and you're confident in yourself and you can stay healthy, a three-year deal, getting as much guaranteed as you can, is a better way to go and then get another chance to negotiate. No matter how much your agent wants to be able to tout a five-year deal with a bigger number attached to it because some of that number is fiction. These agents love the fiction. They love to tout these paper numbers that don't turn into the paper that guys can put in their wallet or don't turn into the check that gets direct deposited into their bank account. And those are the numbers that count. Uh, Laramie Tunzel smart enough to, to recognize that. A lot of other guys aren't, and they wind up in uh, – on less than favorable situations and the joy that comes with signing that contract and seeing those numbers splashed on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram three years later goes away and turns into an awful feeling when uh, things go south between the team and the agent and the player um, because of the way those numbers were manipulated um, to, to make things look better than they were. Um, so hopefully that's not the Bayard situation for everybody's sake. The Titans need tentpole guys, no matter to what degree they are rebuilding this thing. Kevin Bayard should be one of them. I'm also, uh, you know, really find it suspect what's going on at backup quarterback where, you know, I, I think there's another indication Tannehill is going to be back because if they were getting – a rookie quarterback, if they were going to go draft a rookie quarterback here and turn things over to him, they'd need something more than Malik Willis to back him up. It didn't have to be Josh Dobbs, but it would have made sense for it to be Josh Dobbs, who went to Cleveland, where he's clearly in front of Kellen Mond as the two behind Deshaun Watson. Um, but there were, there were no whispers that the Titans engaged with Josh Dobbs and uh, I don't know who the good veteran option out there is. Titans have really taken backup quarterback too lightly for too long. And Tannehill is less of a sure thing than he was for a long time now coming off a pretty serious ankle injury and getting older. So backup quarterback is a spot to keep an eye on for absolute certain. And it's a, it's a place where uh, I'm expecting something. And no, not uh, not Hooker from Tennessee, who's not going to be ready to to help them over the summer or or through training camp. I mean, they need somebody that can help them from from day one. Even though Hooker's got nice upside, and you know, could could wind up a starter at some point. That's a position where they've got to do more. And with all the list of needs they have, seems like, look, I, I don't think Josh Dobbs is terrific, but he should do that. Uh, and, you know, the turnovers killed them in the two games that he played. But, you know, 
Malik Willis was here. Josh Dobbs was at least here. Then Ryan Tannehill, when he's playing well, is here, you know, and Mahomes and those guys are off the off the screen, off the radio, off uh, off your podcast platform. Hey, it's been good to be with you. My thanks again to uh, Jasper's, your neighborhood bar and restaurant, Done Better. Head over to West End in Nashville, check it out, enjoy a great meal, and uh, play some shuffleboard. My favorite. Once I get that thing timed up, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you. I challenge you. And uh, email me if you want a month free membership to check things out, courtesy of Trey Wynn. In the meantime, don't block the box and be sure, please, please, to lock your lock.